Do not underestimate the ability to pause because it's what leads us to be able to make rational decisions like a mature adult instead of acting out of our addictive, compulsive, and obsessive patterns of the past. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on social media. And if you do, please be sure to tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 209, Missing Red Flags, When You Want What You Want, When You Want It. I want what I want when I want it. That was my attitude of life before I got into recovery, though I'm not sure I was fully aware that that was my attitude. This might also be referred to as the inability to delay gratification. The thing is, I had the ability to delay gratification about certain things. For example, I was 31 by the time I got my bachelor's degree and 37 when I got my master's degree, which by the way was a two-year program that took me five years to do. So I was clearly able to delay my gratification regarding my formal education, but there were certain things that I just wanted what I wanted when I wanted it, and I wasn't willing to look at the consequences of plowing forward when I had that attitude. I'm going to give some examples and then talk about recovery has changed that. Here's example number one. As you may have heard in some of my earlier episodes, I went on a six-week solo road trip in a camper van out west in the fall of 2018. It came about pretty suddenly when I found out while I was getting unemployment that I was eligible to take money from my retirement without penalty because I'd been laid off at the age of 55. The person at the company, the finance company, said, that means you can take a lump sum and or monthly installments. And I was like, both. I'm going on a road trip. Literally, right after I got off that phone call, I got offered a job. And I was like, absolutely, but I'm going on a road trip for six weeks in six weeks. What's interesting is somehow when I came off that phone call, it was almost like the entire trip erupted fully planned in my head. I knew I was going to go for six weeks. I knew I wanted to leave in about six weeks. I knew I wanted to be in a camper van because that style would be small enough for me to be able to drive comfortably and that I could go into any national park with it. And I could sleep and cook in it. So it would be less costly than taking a car, staying in a hotel, and buying meals. I very quickly found Outdoorsy.com, which is an organization that works almost like an Airbnb, but for RVs. So people rent out their RVs to you when they're not using them. 
That meant that I wanted to get something that was close enough to New Haven where I live that I could drive there in a reasonable amount of time. And that was also a camper van and was eligible for a six-week period of time in approximately six weeks when I wanted to leave. And guess what? I was in luck. I found one a little over an hour drive away in New York State. And when I went to go check out the van, cosmetically, it was a piece of shit. But I ignored that. I did ask the owner about a couple of dings on the outside, but most of the cosmetic stuff was on the inside. For example, the vinyl was cracking and she had put fake duct tape on it. In other words, duct tape, not real duct tape. And because it was August and really hot, The tape wasn't sticking and it was falling off and it just looked ridiculous. There was a cabinet door that wouldn't close properly and she had a bungee cord on it. And it was just like red flag after red flag after red flag. Or at least these types of things should have been red flags for me, indicating this van is not well taken care of. But because it met all the specifications, like my timetable and the type of van, and it was close enough to home, and it was the only vehicle that I had been able to find that met all those specs, I ignored them. I really wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. Well, it turned out that the crappy cosmetic state of this van was foreshadowing for the crappy state of maintenance of the mechanical and other systems of the van. This makes me think of a saying we often share in recovery, which is, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Well, this van showed me who it was, and I didn't want to believe it. There were problems on day one of the trip in that the AC wouldn't run unless the van was on, even if it was plugged into an electrical source, and various other problems here and there. By day five, which was the Friday of Labor Day weekend, I had decided to stay for the whole weekend at a campground in Tupelo, Mississippi, because I didn't want to drive somewhere and not be able to find a campground on Labor Day. And there was a local mechanic, shout out to Marty the Mechanic in Tupelo, Mississippi, who just happened to be on the premises of the campground when I arrived. So I hired him to do some basic things for me on the van. And so he could get it up to snuff for me for the remaining five plus weeks and desert driving I was going to do. Luckily for me, I developed a friendship with him because of all the work that he did on it. And I say that because while I was in town on Sunday that weekend, the exhaust pipe from the generator became detached. And I knew that because I heard a scraping sound underneath the van. When I got down to look underneath to find out what was going on and I looked at it, one end of the pipe had become detached and it turned out it was the exhaust pipe for the generator. I didn't know that at the time, which by the way, I forgot to mention, Marty noticed right away that the propane had never been turned on for the generator, which is why the AC wouldn't work unless the van was running. When I told the owner that, she accused me of shutting off the propane. And I was like, I don't even know where that is. Like, how could I do that? Okay, so back to the pipe. It turns out that the pipe had been Mickey Moused on both ends. That is, one end had been tied up with a coat hanger and the other with a wire. 
And Marty decided to dub these New York-style pipe clamps. So this falling-off thing here was my first serious indicator that something was going on with this van and its real lack of maintenance. Every time I spoke with the owner about the things that were going wrong, she continued to say she has this amazing mechanic and she trusts him implicitly. And after the pipe thing, I said, I don't think your trust is well-placed because he's done several questionable things that I've seen in just the first five days. Now, I could go on and on about the serious problems of the van, but I'll fast forward to the part where I had to ditch it in Holbrook, Arizona, because it had by then seen four different mechanics and the owner had put over $2,000 worth of repairs into it. I rented a car for four days while the helpful folks at Outdoorsy found me another vehicle continue on with my trip. I almost said finished my trip, but I didn't technically finish the trip I originally planned because I needed to drop the new vehicle off back in Phoenix, Arizona, which meant I wasn't going to be making a driving loop back to the Northeast. Now, I won't go into more details because I want to get to my point, but if you're really interested in learning more about the drama of the trip, as well as all the really cool shit I did and the six national parks I saw, you'll have to read the book I'm writing about it. I don't have a title just yet, but I'm in a writing group right now through Publish Your Purpose, which is a hybrid publishing company out of Hartford. And that should have me set to publish it by the end of 2023. So I'm really excited about that. Actually, wait, there's one more thing that happened that I want to mention. I was in Amarillo, Texas, sleeping in the van, and I woke up because there was water dripping on my foot. Yes, I was inside the van. There had been a rainstorm and there was a leak dripping right off the light fixture in the ceiling. The water was literally rolling off of the light bulb. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get fucking electrocuted. Long story short, the owner's mechanic had put a patch over some vent and it was a really crappy patch. And that caused the Texas mechanic to say, whoever got this van ready for you should never have allowed you to take it in this condition. Now, the van's owner told me not to have him put a good patch on it. She just wanted him to put duct tape on it because her mechanic had ordered some kind of part or something like that. And this guy said, you know, if you're going to drive it into the desert, the duct tape is just going to peel off. And she didn't really seem to care. So I've clearly made the case that there was a lot wrong with the van. If I had been a mature, responsible adult when I saw that the van had all those cosmetic problems, I would have gotten someone who knows something about campers to take a look at the van to make sure that it was in prime condition for my six-week trip out west. But I didn't because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And there were all kinds of repercussions for that decision. Or I guess I should say that non-decision. And I will also say that it took me over a year to admit that I had made this mistake. Because when my friends who went to go pick up my car in New York for me when they found out I was flying home, and they saw where the van was parked, they were like, what the fuck were you thinking? And I just, I couldn't admit it. I didn't have the ego strength at the time, but it took me about a year to be like, yeah, that was a dumbass decision. 
Another example of wanting what I want when I want it that most people in recovery can identify with has to do with me being a compulsive overeater. This doesn't really have to do with red flags so much, at least if it does, I'm not seeing them, but it was clear that when it came to food, I wanted to eat anything I wanted without gaining weight or having any other negative health repercussions. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it, and I couldn't delay gratification on that. True, that is an addiction, and I needed a power greater than myself and the 12 steps of recovery to remove my obsession and compulsion, but this is what recovery does. It allows us to realize that just because we want something or just because we want something right now doesn't mean we can or should get it. Here's another example from a friend. She moved to a town because she'd created connections with a community of like-minded individuals in that town. And even though it was over an hour drive from where she worked Monday through Friday, she wanted what she wanted when she wanted it, which was to live near the people she was so close to, even if it meant a really long drive every day through a very heavy traffic area. What happened is that she was often so drained from that long ass drive that she wasn't up to connecting with her friends that she lived near because she had so little time and she needed rest and to recuperate during that time. After a couple of years of being completely drained by the drive and the heavy traffic, she moved to a place that was much, much closer to work. About a year after that, she and I were talking about how that was a case of her wanting what she wanted when she wanted it. She doesn't have that attitude anymore, and she realizes now that if she has a sense of urgency about a decision, then it's even more important to slow down and be mindful of the decision. By the way, I forgot to mention she's in recovery too. Okay, so how does recovery help us overcome this attitude of wanting what we want when we want it? How can we learn to delay gratification? For me, there are a variety of ways, a couple of which I've just mentioned, that have helped me in this regard. One is that I am no longer attached to outcomes the way I used to be. I let go and let God and have faith that my higher power knows things I don't. God sees around corners and I don't. So, If something doesn't work out how I wanted it to, I assume God had something different in store for me, hopefully something better. I gained the ability to let go of outcomes in recovery, even though I was a pretty spiritual person before I got into recovery. Another thing recovery helped me do was slow down, as my friend said. If you have a sense of urgency about something, unless it's an actual emergency, like someone is dying, that should be a red flag flag. This is not how to make thoughtful, rational decisions. We're not able to go from being reactive to proactive in our lives if we are constantly on the move, doing things quickly and with a sense of urgency about things all the time. In ACA, we call this going from being a reactor to an actor in our lives. This sense of urgency is why pausing is my number one tool of recovery. When I pause and catch my breath, I'm basically telling my body, I am safe, which means my body can come out of fight or flight mode 
which is typically what we're in when we're rushing around, the reason we want to come out of fight or flight mode is that you're unable to think clearly in that mode. And that's as it should be. You're not supposed to think. You're supposed to fight or flee. And it takes way too much energy away from that ability if you're using it to think. You need it to move. That means you don't have access to your frontal lobe when you're in fight or flight mode. And that's where your higher order thinking is done. That's where real, mature, reasoned decision making is done. And someone who is proactive and not reactive is able to access their frontal lobe. Frontal lobe. I didn't even know I had this sense of urgency until recovery. And I learned about pausing and how to do it in recovery. I will put a link in the show notes to my episode about how I learned to pause. It's one of my most popular episodes. Do not underestimate the ability to pause because it's what leads us to be able to make rational decisions like a mature adult instead of acting out of our addictive, compulsive, and obsessive patterns of the past. Another aspect of recovery that's helped me to change this pattern of acting on my wants is that I've learned to practice these principles in all my affairs. In other words, I live a values-centered life. I thought that I was a very values-centered person before recovery. Nope. I may have said I valued certain things, but I wasn't living up to them. I now live my life in alignment with my values, my principles, And when we live in alignment like this, we are much less likely to relapse and we're much more likely to make reasoned decisions and to be able to delay gratification. The thing that helped me the most in terms of getting into alignment with my values was learning how to set boundaries because we set boundaries according to what's important to us, to what we value. And as you may have heard before on this podcast, It was in 12-step recovery that I learned how to set boundaries. So there you have it. All of this is how to stop acting on the impulse to go after what you want, when you want it, because you want it. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-released podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, 
or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listen to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.